Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 18 of Revelation chapter 6. And we're going to continue looking at verse 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And we've been discussing the great earthquake, Megas, Seismos, that the Bible is referring to here. And we've seen in uh, Revelation chapter 16 that the great earthquake identifies with the fall of Babylon. As it says in Revelation 16, 18 and 19, and there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And Babylon is used of God as a figure of Satan's kingdom of this world which now at this time includes the churches and congregations, but Babylon falls at the end of the Great Tribulation. That's when Satan, who had been really exalted to uh, heights never previously reached as he took his seat as the man of sin in the temple, showing himself that he was God, and the Bible likens him to the king of Babylon. So during the church age... Babylon did not fall. Babylon was victorious. Babylon was uh, the the army out of the north that conquered Judah. And Judah is a representation of the churches and congregations. It's at the end of the 23-year Great Tribulation period that the conquering army, mighty Babylon, falls. It was at the end of of the historical 70-year period in which God used Babylon to destroy and to bring into captivity his people, that finally Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians. And so the great earthquake identifies in Revelation 6.12 with Judgment Day. And by the way, there's no question of that because Revelation 6.17 in continuing in the context uh, back in verse 12, says, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? And, and so that identifies the great earthquake with judgment day, the great day of the Lord, the great day of the wrath of God. And so too with the fall of Babylon, which relates to judgment day that comes immediately after the tribulation. Well, we were looking at the great earthquake, and and in those verses in Revelation 16, we saw that a tenth part of the city fell, and 7,000 were slain, and again, we discussed how that identifies with those that were close to the true believers, as close as possible, so that they would give appearance of true believers, but were not, just like the third part. And When Judgment Day came, all of the professed Christians, all of the those in the churches and congregations that gave appearance of being 
identified with true believers were uh, bundled as tares for the burning. They were slain on that day as they had been within the churches when God was saving outside of the churches. And, and so there was no hope for them. There was not even the hope that people in the world could have that perhaps God had saved them before ending his salvation program. And since they did not have even that hope, they were slain according to the Bible's language. Or the 7,000 were killed and, and the tenth part of the city fell. Well, the great earthquake had that negative uh, impact as God uses it to relate to the judgment of the wicked, but it also had a positive impact as the Lord speaks of a great earthquake in Acts chapter 16. And today we're going to um, look at this amazing earthquake. You you can hear about many earthquakes um, in the world, and you'll never hear of an earthquake quite like this in Acts 16, beginning in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, let's take a closer look at this earthquake. First of all, it wasn't a tremor, it wasn't a minor quake, but a great earthquake. And um, when there is a great earthquake, it is capable of destroying whole cities and and killing thousands and thousands of people. We are very much aware of this. We have seen great earthquakes in our time. And yet, uh, this earthquake um, causes, according to the information that God records, no damage whatsoever. The only effects of the earthquake are that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And so we can, we can picture Paul and Silas and these other prisoners. It's midnight and they're, they're in this dark and, and, uh, damp prison and uh, prisons in that time. Um, we can be sure we're not very comfortable. They, they would be nothing like the, the prisons of our day, uh, especially in some countries in well-developed nations, prisons are, uh, are, are very nice places and, and they're full of light and, and the prisoners have food and clothing and are well taken care of. But in this day, in this ancient city, the, the prisoners weren't really cared for all that well at all. 
Uh, actually, we we read here. It says um, back in verse twenty-two, and the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. This is a a very uh, awful situation. They are beaten, their clothes are rent, and then they're beaten, and then they are um, shackled as their feet are fast in the stocks and they are in an inner prison and the doors to the prison gates are locked. And and yet, uh, what do we read? Are Paul and Silas crying? Are they bemoaning their situation? Are they uh, murmuring and critical of of God's um, providence concerning them, of, of the will of God for the things that happened to them? Are they, are they doubting God's goodness? No. At, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So in the darkness of this prison come two true believers and even though they are mistreated, even though um, there is nothing uh, outwardly that that anyone could think why they would praise God and and why they would sing at a time like that, they they have been abused. Uh, they have um, the authorities against them, and they're shackled. With these stocks, their their feet are held fast in them, and the prison doors are shut. More than likely, there's no light in that prison. Oh, but but in this situation, God directs His people. God's the one that allowed the situation to develop. That finally had Paul and Silas cast into that prison. God's the one that arranged the circumstances so that. At midnight, in the dark dungeon, uh, they would be thrown and they would begin to pray and to sing the praises of God. Now we can see how Paul and Silas are, are being wonderful witnesses of the, the gospel. They are, um, they are carrying the gospel message into the darkness of this world. It's really a beautiful picture of that. And we can see how the light of the gospel shines in the darkness. The the prisoners, the fellow prisoners, they, they're probably uh, just amazed. What is wrong with these men? They, they must be insane. This is a place of misery. This is a place where where you weep and and howl and cry. This is a place where you groan in your pain. You don't come here and sing praises unto God. You come here to the dark dungeon to curse God. And and so when it says the prisoners heard them, we can be absolutely sure that yes, they most definitely heard them. 
they were probably um, with their ears as as open as they had ever been in their life. What else would they hear in that darkness? What other uh, thing would attract their interest like this? Well, nothing at all. They they were listening to these men overcome their situation, to overcome the the worst of circumstances. How could they do it? After a while, they would realize they're not crazy. These men are sincere. These men truly love God, and they're truly thankful to God that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Who are these men? And and then suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Now let's let, let's uh, draw another picture. Uh, well, we're not actually drawing it. The Bible is. God is. And and that is the 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 situation of this world. For instance, in the Gospel of John in chapter 1, we read um, in, in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And, and, and there God is talking about the Lord Jesus and this world. This world lieth in darkness. Spiritual darkness, not the, the physical or, or actual darkness of that dungeon in, in, in that jail. But spiritually, the world is even darker than that dungeon was. Even filthier. Even dirtier. Even more misery that, that lies in the spiritual darkness of this world than than physically could have been possible in that dungeon in which Paul and Silas were cast into. And yet comes a light. A light shines in to the world and enlightens the the people of the earth. And it goes on to say in verse 7 of John 1, The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Christ is the light. Paul and Silas were messengers of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the light. And when they were um, brought into the prison... The light of God entered into the darkness of the prison. Those men were not just in physical darkness, but in spiritual darkness. And and what happens when the light comes into the darkness? Well, it illuminates the dark. And, and so God sent forth his word into the world throughout the New Testament era to bring light to the darkness that uh, prevailed over the world. And the Lord also had a special plan at the time of the end, during the Great Tribulation period, that he called the latter rain. 
And during that time of latter rain, it was God's plan to open up the scriptures and reveal truth or to shine further light upon the, the darkness that the world lies in. And it was God's plan in um, the opening up of his word to include information concerning the date for the beginning of Judgment Day, May 21, 2011. And the Lord stirred up his people to carry forth that message to all the earth. And all the earth heard that all the earth certainly took note of this this um, truth, this light that was shining in the darkness. It was it was out of character. It was a break from the typical news of the world of of its lies and and of its deceitfulness, of its murders and wars and and all of the constant evils that are going on. No, this was something different, a message coming forth from the Bible, a message therefore sent by God himself, and a, an insistent, urgent message that a particular date would be the day of judgment. And all of the world practically heard this message. And the world lieth in darkness. And uh, and what about the sinners of the world? Where are they spiritually, um, as the Bible would describe them? Where are sinners uh, to be found? Well, uh, you you can find sinners in uh, luxurious homes sometimes, or there are some sinners that that are much poorer. Some are even homeless. Uh, you can find sinners in in just every um, level, every class of life. Uh, they're rich and poor, but no, that that's not uh, where they are to be found spiritually. Here's what God says in Second Timothy chapter two, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Unsaved people are ensnared by the devil and taken captive by him. Therefore, that would mean that every unsaved individual dwells within a dungeon. They, they are held in captivity to sin and Satan. And they, they are a part of the kingdom of Satan, as it says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now that's referring to someone at the, at the point of salvation. God um transfers them out of darkness and into the light. He transfers them out of the kingdom of Satan and into the kingdom of his dear son. He takes them out of the prison, out of the dank, dark, ugly, filthy prison of sin and 
bondage to Satan. Remember, as the Apostle Paul was uh, witnessing and, and testifying before King Agrippa, that uh, it was said in Acts chapter 26, as Paul recounted how the Lord had come to him, in verse 15, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. This is what the gospel of God does. This is what the grace of God accomplishes in the life of a destitute sinner, a a poor wretch, even uh, if he doesn't know it, a miserably poor wretch that's held fast in captivity to his own sins. The cords of his own iniquity are wrapped about him, holding him, holding him, uh, steadfastly in the kingdom of darkness. He doesn't even want to escape. He's such a poor wretch. He thinks that his pleasures, his measly pleasures, which will last only for a season, are so valuable that he won't even attempt escape. No, he uh, he's thankful that he can uh, have the the uh, the the sinful pleasures that he possesses, that he can enjoy them. He he uh, doesn't even think that it's only uh, for a short little time, and then they'll be gone, and then uh, he'll have to suffer the consequences of an eternal destruction from the presence of the Lord. He doesn't even consider that. He's so blinded, he's so deceived by his own heart that he thinks he has everything because he has a house and a car and some few electronic toys and he has some money in the bank account and and so he can uh, fulfill the desires of his eyes and, and the lusts of the flesh. And, and more and more today, oh, he can, uh, he can take his fill of pleasures. He can have the things of the world. They're at his beck and call. And yet, he's nothing but, uh, in, in the worst of situations. He is in the dungeon of sin, ensnared and held fast in the stocks, captive to sin and to Satan. And God delivers the captive. God translates that that poor sinner out of that situation and into the kingdom of light. This is why Jesus spoke of being free. That uh, whosoever the Son of Man shall make free shall be free indeed. Only the child of God is a free man. Everyone else is a servant to the devil is a servant to their own lusts and and to their particular desires and and yet the child of God 
serves Christ out of love for what he has done for us. And, and so we're, uh, very thankful. Well, this, this picture in the book of Acts then begins to take on a, a, a very different meaning as we're reading of, of Paul and Silas that are singing praises to God and praying at midnight in the prison, in the dark dungeon. And then suddenly there's a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison are shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Now, what could this mean? Again, this is a miraculous earthquake. This is the hand of God. No earthquake accomplishes something like this. Earthquakes destroy. Earthquakes would bring the building down upon all the prisoners and kill them all. But this great earthquake was directed by the will of God. He had it shake the foundation at precisely the right place and at precisely the right uh, level so that it would only open up the prison doors and loose everyone's bands. It's a wonderful picture of the salvation of God delivering Sinners delivering captives to sin and to Satan and translating them into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, did this take place on the day of judgment or uh, did did something like this happen um, when judgment day, May 21, 2011 came? Because we've identified the language of a great earthquake with that particular day. Well, Yes, because God had a plan to save a great multitude and to bring them out of great tribulation to uh, deliver the Jews from Babylon, we could say, to deliver the sinners from Satan's dungeon that were held fast by him. Satan was desperately trying to keep them uh, enslaved, keep them prisoner, and and so he uh he worked overtime to fight against God to fight against the word of God as it would go forth seeking these lost souls these lost sheep of the house of Israel but God sent forth his word and found them no matter where they were in the world finally at the end with a a loud trumpet blast a warning to all the world that now was the time, the appointed day of judgment. And and God used this to draw his elect and to save them. How many did he save whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life? He saved them all. It's why all the prisoners had their doors open. It's why everyone's bands were loosed. Not one prisoner was left in that prison that was held fast any longer due to locks and bars. The locks and bars were all open. Everyone's cell sprung open. Everyone's chains and shackles fell off their feet. Now they could get up. Now they could go forth. They could leave that prison and they could uh, come out from their captivity. Well, uh, but 
but they didn't. That's the amazing thing. Or, or continuing in, in, uh, this amazing, um, situation of this miraculous earthquake. They did not leave. They, the keeper of the prison sprung in and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. And, you know, we also were supposing that once God saves all the elect, once the day of judgment comes, the great earthquake occurs. And yes, he saves everyone uh, who he intended to save. There's no more to be saved. There's no more prisoners to be loosed in in Satan's kingdom. Everyone's bands have been loosed. We were expecting to flee this world, to be raptured and taken out. And yet we find the Apostle Paul is moved to cry out in verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And and that is where we find ourselves, here on the earth, living in the day of judgment. 